Welcome to Geocache Adventures with me, Shadow Dragon One, where I explore the world of geocaching. If you enjoy the show, please consider leaving a review wherever you listen to podcasts or on the Geocache Adventures Facebook page. You can also follow Geo Adventures on Buy Me a Coffee for a behind the scenes look on every episode. That's one word G E O Adventures. It's free to follow, or you can become a member and unlock exclusive posts and information. Your memberships go a long way for helping support the podcast and are greatly appreciated. Hi, everybody. Uh, before we start this week's episode, I want to give a big shout out to Anne Mikalski. I apologize if I did not pronounce your last name right, Anne. But Anne is the newest member and supporter of the podcast on Buy Me a Coffee. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Your support goes a long way to help cover hosting fees and website fees and fees for some of the tools I use like Zoom and and everything else. So your support is really appreciated and it helps me to be able to keep doing what I'm doing. Thank you so much. Hi everybody, Amy Shadow Dragon one here and with me today is fellow geocacher Chad, known as Tricacious. I believe I said it right. You did. <laughs> and you are one of the Gilby, North Dakota cashers, which for anybody not familiar with Gilby, North Dakota, it's often referred to as the Disneyland of geocaching. And several of your geocaches have been featured on various vlogs. Yeah, that's pretty exciting. Yeah, for sure. And, and you're going to talk to us about hiding geocaches today. So how did you first get started geocaching? Um, I used to be the Cub Scout leader. And in the magazine for the Cub Scouts, there was an article on geocaching. Uh, so I read that, got really interested in it, uh, went right out and bought myself a little yellow Garmin GPS and found my first cache two months later. So was there not a lot of caches in your area at the time? No, there really wasn't. Uh, there, uh, I didn't know any other cachers that were in the area. And then uh, there was a cacher that was in Gilby that actually hid another cache. So that was the first I was aware of any other cachers. So it was kind of neat because in my small little rural community, I did I pretty much knew everybody, but I did, didn't know who, who the, this uh, new geocacher was. So it was fun finding out who that was. So when you found out, I'm guessing it was somebody that you knew? Yeah, it certainly was. Uh, it was actually a fairly close friend that I knew. Um, and uh, he pretty much started about the same time I did. So it was kind of fun oh, that way. Cool. So how many geocaches have you hidden at this point? Um, I would guess I've probably hidden maybe close to 100. I probably had on my own uh, geocaching name. I've hidden several for other other people. Uh, I, I probably have maybe 40 to 60 that are active. Uh, we had a few get, go missing. Uh, last year, we had a little bit of trouble with somebody busting up quite a few of them. Uh, so it was pretty disappointing. Yeah, that's always sad when that happens. We are going to talk more about some of your personal hides and some of the hides you've helped with. But to start out, let's talk about the basics of hiding. For somebody who may be newer or hasn't hidden a cache yet, how many hides does a person have to have before they go 
high to geocache. This is a number that's always way up in the air and everybody has a different number. Yeah, I, I like to see people find, you know, 20 to 50 at least. Uh, myself, I, I found 40 before I started hiding. One of the big steps I think a lot of people skipped is uh, they don't read the rules. They don't research at all. They just go right out and try to hide something. Um, getting good coordinates is important. A good cache container that's waterproof, uh, that'll stand up in the sunlight and cold and rain and whatnot. Uh, things like that for basic hides, I think it's is important. Like they definitely read a little bit, go on the forums, see what you can find. Definitely. Yeah, geocaching.com has a lot of great information for hiding geocaches. And there's so many videos out there on YouTube about it as well. It It's easy to find information if you just go look. Yes, definitely. When you're trying to decide where to locate a cache at, what are some things that you look for or consider when you're finding that place? Uh, for me, with the type of caches I put out, gadget caches, they need to be, I like to find caches in secluded areas. So in my rural area, uh, it'll be, I've got shelter belts that are dividing fields and keep the wind and erosion down. So I put all, most of my caches are all out in shelter belts, uh, which helps a lot for muggles and things like that, people accidentally finding them. There have been a few that have gotten, have been found by muggles, but most of them have been pretty safe. Uh, so I like to find places like that. Um, there isn't a lot of interesting places near me, but I, I enjoy finding caches that are in interesting spots. So if I see an interesting place, sometimes I'll put a cache out there also. One of the important things about hiding a cache is getting permission to place it first. So especially out in a rural area, if you're not sure who owns the land, how do you go about finding that information? Uh, in my rural area, I know quite a few of the people. And if, if I don't know who it is, then of course their neighbors know. Uh, I do have a, what they call a plat map, which you can open up and find every quarter of land and you can see who owns that land. And uh, so I can find that way. But in my general area where I hide, I, I pretty much know everybody and who owns that quarter. And, and they've all been real receptive as far as putting caches out. I, uh, now that Gilby has gotten quite a bit more popular, uh, everybody seems to know what I'm up to or why there's a car with a Manitoba license plate parked on the side of the road or somebody from Colorado or whatever. It's uh, it, people always so. If I run into them, they say, yeah, there's somebody from Indiana. I've seen a license plate from here. So they, they're just still, they're still a little bit amazed the number of people that come out here from a long distance away. I bet. So if we need to get a plat map of our area, those are available typically at county records, correct? Yeah, I believe there's also stuff on the internet you can look up. Um, I'm trying to think, is a GIS? I can't think of what the acronym is, but uh, there is there are places on the internet you can find also. And do you have any advice for approaching somebody to ask permission? Because I think that's always the hardest part. 
yeah. is actually going up to somebody and saying, hey, I want to place a geocache here. Yeah, that, that is. Um, I, I typically will go and visit with them, show them a cache. Maybe if, I'm, if I want to put a G, uh, gadget cache out, I'll bring some gadget cache with me and, and explain to them what it is and how it works. And, and if they're okay with putting it out there, I'll, I'll let them know roughly where it is and, and uh, go from there. As far as in Grand Forks, I've put out a couple of caches there and get permission where I have to. And uh, we're really, we're talking about putting a uh, geo tour up in Grand Forks. So I've got to visit with the, visit with the visitor center there and, and see about getting permission in places, see where they would like to have caches also. What kind of expectations are there for owners of geocaches? For me as an owner, um, I, I do like to read the logs. I read every log that I get. Uh, it's It really varies. You know, some people will just put thanks. Some people write a big story about the cache they found. Uh, but logs are, are what's fun to, to read about it. Um, I do get to meet up with quite a few of them because I have a couple of caches that are near my place or I might catch somebody along the road that's parked near a cache. So whenever I see somebody out caching, I'll try to swing by and visit with them. And then I, I get another story of what they've been doing and how much fun they've been having out in the Gilby area. With a lot of your caches being gadget caches, do you have a lot of issues with maintenance and having to go out often to maintain them? Or are they the type of gadget that is self-sufficient um i have a few that run on batteries and they they seem to last quite a while um most of my caches i like to build pretty solid they uh they can withstand the weather pretty well they can take a beating um i try to think through what somebody's going to do on a on any of my gadget caches when my kids were home uh, i would build caches and then they'd come out and, and see how they get into them so I kind of watch what they're doing what they're trying to pry open and, and if I need to strengthen it up or build it better I'll, I'll do that but I try to make them maintenance free as much as possible most of mine seem to stand up pretty well which I'm pretty happy with do you have any advice for when you submit a geocache to the reviewer process I've always felt that I've worked well with the reviewers. Um, I always make sure that I know the proximity of the caches. The, re the reviewers we've had have all worked with me and, and we've done, uh, haven't really had any problems with them. Uh, since COVID was here, there's some issues with hiding caches in town, but the rural caches he was allowing quite a bit. Now I think everything has kind of changed and everything's going well, but I really haven't had any any major problems with any any reviewers. Explain to them what you're doing, get let them know you have the permission to hide it and what it is, and, and uh, he's been pretty easy to work with. And the more information, the better, right? Oh yeah, yep, yep. Some reviewers want more information. Sometimes they'll want to know how it's attached. Um, Sometimes, if, you know, if they need a picture of something or explain a little bit more, you know, I'm open to let them know 
whatever they need. Let's talk about some of your geocaches now. First of all, what made you decide to hide your very first geocache? Uh, we were out with a Cub Scout group and we uh, go down to Fortville Dam and camp there and kayak and canoe. So that was the first place I, I talked to the, uh, the ranger there and asked if I could put, put a couple of caches out with the Boy Scout or Cub Scouts. And he said, yeah, that'd be fine. And he, of course, back then, he didn't know what it was either. So we had to show him what it was. So, so we ended up hiding two out in the uh, Fordville Dam area and they're still out there. I should probably go out and check them someday, but they've stood the test of time so far. One is an ammo can. And then the other was, uh, which at that time was a hollowed out stump I made and put a container inside of that. So that was about as interesting as they got back in 2008 anyway for me. So how did you transition from an ammo can to doing these gadget caches? Uh, I've always been kind of creative and I want to kind of raise the bar each time I put a cache out. And that was the fun thing about uh, finding out there's another cache, uh, geocacher in Gilby. Uh, we started talking and he had his own little workshop and we started talking about making Gilby a Mecca, but sadly he passed away about uh, but maybe three months later, he passed away at 56, but that was a little better than 10 years ago now. But he, uh, he, when he'd find my caches, he'd always say I'd raise the bar again and in his logs. And he, he was a fun guy. He would have been, it would have been fun to work with him a little bit more on making caches in Gilby. He, he, he made some kind of interesting ones too. Did anybody take over his caches? Yeah, uh, I've got... I, I adopted the caches that he had around Gilby. Um, there's another cacher that adopted his that were in Grand Forks, which is a half hour away. I've seen multiple caches of yours on vlogs. It's actually how I got your name, is seeing these geocaches mm. on like the Geocaching Vlogger and Geocaching with Hellmeister and looking them up and seeing that they're all by the same cacher. What was it like the first time you found out your geocache was on a vlog? Do they approach you first and say, hey, can I record this? Does somebody say, hey, I think I found one of your caches on YouTube? How did that go? Um, so uh, a few of my caching friends, they would go to the bigger events and they'd run into the geocaching vlogger, Joshua. And they'd always tell them that you got to come up to Gilby if you want to find some videotape some fun caches. And everybody, I'd run into them. They'd say, hey, I ran into Josh. I told him about Gilby. And uh, maybe he'll come up someday. But then uh, we went to the Cincinnati event. And we were, uh, a friend of mine, uh, Gene Neese, and I were walking down the trails and ran into Joshua coming the other way. And uh, stopped him and said, had to say, I had to say hi to him. And, and then he turned and he seen my name tag and goes, oh, you're that guy from Gilby that everybody's telling me about. <laughs> and uh, then two years, two or three years ago now, I, I said, uh, and he, he contacted me and said that he'd be coming up and ended up coming up twice and videotaped caches for, uh, he had them, I think one every week. So he said he had lots of, Lots of footage, and I see he's got quite a few on TikTok now. And 
So that that was pretty neat uh, to get to meet him. My daughter and I used to watch him when, uh, and she was all excited to see Reister Bunny on there, Reese, because they were about the same age. And my daughter was thumbing through my phone pictures one day, and and she goes, Dad, this is that that geocaching guy. I says, Yeah. And she goes, When did you meet him? She was, I, I didn't even tell her about it, so she was pretty excited, and. Uh, then when he was videotaping the caches in Gilby, there was one behind the house and he was a little worried about our dog outside. So I sent my daughter out there to, to help him out. So she was she got to be in a video with him and she was pretty tickled about that. Oh, that's it's pretty neat. neat. Yeah. And then Jay, the Hailmeister, he's a pretty nice guy too. He came out last year to, to the Gilby Gone Wild event we had. And, and I've ran into him at a couple of different events. So it's, he's a, yeah, they're both nice people. Gilby Gone Wild, is that an annual event you have or was that just a one-time deal you guys did? Well, I'm told it's an annual event now. Uh, I think last, let's see, last year was our second year. And so we have another one this year, September 25th or 24th, I can't remember. Uh, it's on a Saturday. It's posted out there. I, I'm not sure how many are signed up now. Our first year, we probably had in about 100 people. And the last year, we had maybe 200, 250. Um, so that pretty much doubles the size of Gilby, <laughs> our small little town. And, and people are just amazed how many people we can fit in that little park in Gilby. How big is Gilby exactly? Uh, I believe it's about... Uh, 244 people in town um and then like i say it's a rural farming community because so there's about every every mile there's a farmer somewhere yeah an event like that does about double the town then doesn't it, <laughs> it definitely did yeah yeah there's one picture there's one picture um on the side of the hardware store they painted a beer, big mural and the artist actually painted my path tag on the side so we we took a picture of everybody from the event against that wall and there's there's a lot of people it's it's i think it's one of the pictures that's on the gilby uh, event page that's neat so are all of your active hides gadget caches or uh, no not all of them most of them definitely yeah yeah that's pretty much all i seem to hide now is i i have a few ingram forks that are or normal-ish type caches, hide in plain sight type things. Uh, there, but I don't know that I've got any caches that are just on signposts necessarily. They're a little bit trickier. How do you come up with your ideas for your gadget caches? That's that's always a hard one. <laughs> uh, it's it's I, I've got quite an imagination, I guess. If I see something, uh, it'll be in the back of my mind. Uh, I go to an event that uh, um, down in Bemidji in Minnesota, about an hour or two hours away, and it's a Maker Madness event. So you bring a piece of junk of some sort and you uh, put it in a pile, and then you draw another piece of junk and you bring that home. And a month later, you come back and make a geocache out of whatever piece of weird item you came home with so actually there's i've got a few of them out here that that we've made out of 
tennis rackets and the crutch and uh, wire dog and different weird things like that. A little vacuum hose. I've got one that I'll be putting out this year. Um, some different camping items that are going to be turned into caches and be put out this year. But I've got a notebook on the, my headboard and I'll wake up in the middle of the night and scribble some goofy thing on a piece of paper and wake up in the morning and try to decipher what I was trying to create it in my mind <laughs> while I was sleeping. So sometimes I can figure it out, not always. <laughs> mm -hmm. One of your favorite caches that I've seen a video for is the Driving Miss Daisy cache. Would you mind talking about that a little bit? Because that one just is such a neat, unique idea. Yeah, Driving Miss Daisy, I do like that one. Uh, I don't even know how I came up with it, I forget. <laughs> but it's basically looks like a big hair dryer in a sense. So you go to the location, you find it, and you have to actually get back into your car. So there's a fan inside of it. You got to hold it out the window as you drive down the road. And when the fan, the wind blowing through the fan generates electricity and it lights up three different LEDs. And that gives you the code for the combination of the uh, ammo can back at the, where the original site is. So, so you got to go down the road about 40 miles an hour with this hanging out the window and, and watching for what LEDs light up. And a lot of people really enjoy that one. That's definitely my favorite cache by far. Have you ever had issues with that device disappearing? No, that one I've never had a problem really? with. Uh, it's, it's always worked. I, I imagine when the big event is on, there's people have it going down the highway as somebody's pulling into the approach to find it. And they just have to sit there and wait until the, the last cashier comes back with it. And I'm sure it's back on the road and gone again. But I, I, that one I've had no problems with. That That is such a neat one. And when I, when I was going through the geocacher vloggers videos and I saw driving Miss Daisy and I thought I actually remember watching that movie on TV mm. as a kid. And I thought I've got to see what this, this is. And that was just such a neat idea. Where did you find that device? Is that something you built or did you find it and buy it? No, that's all homemade. It's a piece of PVC pipe, a piece of wood for a handle and a fan that who knows where I got the fan from come out of a computer or something. But uh, I know there's a couple other ones out there that are made copies of it. There's one in uh, in Arizona, I believe, done by Chuck um, Belkenthes. His is his is looks more like an airplane. So and it's near a glide airport. And he gets lots of favorites on that one. So it's, it's, I think that's pretty neat when I find uh, other people making caches that I've created that just makes me uh, really tickled about that stuff. Do people approach you and say, hey, I want to copy your cache. How do I do this? Or do you just find out later on that, hey, somebody has a similar one? Uh, it's a little both. Uh, some people ask if it's okay and, and I'm okay with it. Uh, but majority of the time I happen upon them or somebody says, hey, I did one, uh, you, know, you copied one that I found over here. And I said, well, actually that was probably my original cache, but 
but it, it had it's like i say i'm happy that 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 people will make them i've gotten emails from overseas in europe asking hey you know how did you make this or and uh so that's kind of neat like i say to be getting emails from overseas from people asking how to make this cash or that cash yeah your caches are kind of famous <laughs> like like really it's it's kind of everybody says if you know it's one of those places that you just need to go caching at because it's got all these awesome caches at and from the videos i've seen i really hope i can get up there one day and do some geocaching because it just looks amazing no, that's pretty, that's pretty neat. Uh, you know, my kids are a little bit surprised uh, how, how famous I am, they say. Uh, yesterday we had uh, five geocachers from Canada, all brothers and sisters, come down and, and they sent me a, a text or email later saying how much fun they had. Because I would guess they're all 60s at least and they how how excited and how much fun they had uh, running around the gilby area and felt like young kids and and uh, they're still giggling yeah that's so neat all the memories they made mm -hmm. so in addition to your own hides you've also helped with a geo tour and a historic trail what's the name of the geo tour and how did you get involved in helping with this uh, the geo tour is in Fargo Moorhead. I can't remember the number. It's 488, 448. Uh, I can't remember what the geo tour number is, but it's uh, Fargo Moorhead. Fargo's in, in North Dakota and Moorhead's in Minnesota, so across the river from each other. Uh, Geocache is a good friend of mine, had contacted me and asked if I'd be interested in helping her with a, making a few caches. She's kind of a, a real big gilby hype gal she's a big fan of the gilby caches and so i i said yeah i'd be happy to help out and then she enlisted the help from uh mnmo the cashier in fargo and onion pond is the cashier just out the, outside of fargo so between the three of us and gia had a couple of caches made up we uh, helped her put out 24 caches in the fargo moorhead area and from people that I've talked to, they they said it's one of the best ones that they've ever gone to uh, as far as geotours go. Uh, Onion Pond built this really awesome ammo can, uh, a pretty big one. <clears throat> so it, it's it's a real neat uh, geotour where Gia put them are all unique areas. Uh, one of the ones we made is uh, outside a little uh, gas station. Uh, auto repair place and uh, raise repair and so we brought it in to show him what we are going to put and where ask him where he wanted it and he was just so excited with it because we were just going to show it to him and then and hang it up like a couple weeks later and he said well can i keep that here and and show people so he he had it in his office and for two weeks he was showing everybody this unique geocache because nobody knew what geocaching was but you have to uh it, it's a very unique one uh i can't think of what the name uh, odometer or something like that is the name of it but that one works pretty neat it's it's fitting for an auto place and but he was just so excited about it and he hugged hugged us and thanked us for putting it out it's, it's kind of neat. that's cool 
What makes it a geo tour versus just some random hides in the same area? Uh, so a geo tour is advertised through geocaching, and you have if you complete every stage of the geo tour, you'll get a coin. Or I take that back. You'll get a souvenir on your computer. You get a coin, I think, after 20 in Fargo-Moorhead. You'll get a geo coin, uh, the, the geo tour logo and stuff like that. But they are uh, advertised through geocaching. And people will go specifically to places to find geo tours. There are some pretty, uh, pretty neat ones to go to. And anytime we go to a new city, we check to see if there's a geo tour to see how many of the caches we can get from it. Uh, but it's, it's basically advertising for the city. And it, it's Gia, like the, the gal that was in charge of all this, she ended up winning some awards through the visitor center in Fargo-Moorhead for, because over COVID, that's a lot of people are coming just for the geo tour and, and staying in hotels and eating in Fargo-Moorhead area. Oh. So it was a, a big draw. And Gia is a fascinating gal. She actually, uh, HQ, uh, sought her out and, and hired her. So she, how she works for uh, HQ now. She's got to move to Seattle and work there. And so she's pretty excited about that. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah, it really is. We're so proud of her. So when you set up a geo tour, are you working with like the Tourist Bureau or the Chamber of Commerce of the area since it is more tourist based? Yeah, that's def definitely like say Gia was in charge of all that part of it, finding the locations. She worked very close with the visitor center at Fargo, Moorhead, and uh, they there's a paying aspect. You have to pay to have a geo tour, and it ranges how much it is from how many coins and things like that. So to buy the coins and whatnot. So there's a there is a, a little bit of money involved. Uh, so that makes them fairly rare uh, as far as that goes. But yeah, working with the Chamber of Commerce, she, like I say, she worked with the Visitor Center and, and uh, I'll be visiting more with the Grand Forks Visitor Center to see if we can get one in Grand Forks also. When you get these published, do you ha talk with the reviewer and have them all published at once so the whole, whole tour goes live at the same time or how does that work? Yeah, I'm sure that's how that worked out, is that they all published on the day that she had an opening day uh, event for the tour. So they were all published, I believe, that, on that day, that morning. So that, that's kind of neat. Uh, and like I say, the, the uh, reviewer we have here is, is, is a pretty decent guy. He does, does fairly well, uh, publishing caches fairly quick and on time, whenever I've seen it. So you've also helped with the Pinema Wash County Historic Trail or the PWHT Trail. Can you tell us what exactly this trail is and what it's about? So the Historic Society in the Pinema Walsh County area, they uh, contacted another cashier and because they wanted to put out, uh, they got a grant, put out caches to bring people to some of the historic areas in uh, Pam and Walsh County. 
And that cashier said, well, you need to talk to Chad. He's the guy to, to get these done. So, so they brought me in and the three of us, Wise Family M&M, Jeanice and myself, visited with the, uh, the, the two gals that were in charge of it and worked out a plan of what we wanted to do and how to do it. And so they wanted to mix from everything from, you know, real easy caches, normal type caches to fun gadgety type things. So I made, uh, I, I wanna say we've got between 30 and 40 caches out for the Pembroke Walsh County area. And they're pretty tickled every year. We add uh, another three to four to five caches every year and upkeep the old ones. And if they're always, if the nice thing that working with them is they got all the permissions. They just had to tell me where they wanted it. And I just had to come up with what, what to put there and, and uh, make a fun cache for, for people to find out there. So I, I, I'm sure there's gotta be close to 40 40 that we've done for them wow and every every one of those on that trail is at a historical area or related to a historical site yeah and they they actually did all the write-ups too so it talks about the area what the history is at that particular spot whether it's the first farm or uh, i know there's ox cart trails you can still see that are embedded in the ground um some different uh buildings, fur trading buildings that are there. There's there's a lot of history that I wasn't even aware of in, in that area, just north of me, north of Gilby, just a little ways. So it was fun to say they wrote up big, big write-ups. So people would tell me that, and they're not one next to each other. So it's a little bit of drive to get to the next one. So they tell me that they'll read the history of the next one coming up. And then when they get there, they know everything about the area when they get there so it's it's a neat trail with like I say the history but that's not a paid subscription for that one that's just regular geocaches as a trail so with all these hides that you've been a part of do you have one that really just sticks out in your mind as like your favorite one that you've created to hide a uh, strong man was a, a big favorite of mine to start with and then Miss Daisy came along and and uh, Miss Daisy is definitely my favorite now. Uh, I, I've got other caches, you know, it, it's, I always say it's kind of hard to pick which is your favorite kid kind of thing, <laughs> you know, which is, uh, you know, I've, I've got a couple of caches in the shop waiting to go out and I think, oh, they're gonna be pretty fun to do uh, different. People just enjoy coming to Gilby because they, they get to laugh. Uh, they find some unexpected things like uh, I've got, uh, Oh, let's see. I've got a, oh, I can't even think of exercise bike. So last year I put a cash out that you use an exercise bike to open up. and The ET. Yep. Yes. ET. I saw the video mm -hmm. on that. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and people chuckle about that one. You know, why would you come across a exercise bike in the middle of this group of trees? I think that's some of the most surprising things about some of these gadget caches is that it's like you said you're you go out to the spot and then there's randomly an exercise bike in the middle of the woods and it's like what mm -hmm. is this doing here and then it's yeah. a gadget cache yeah i've got a few odd weird things out in the trees for sure <laughs> well do you have any in general 
tips for hiding that you think would be helpful for people to share? Like I say, you know, read the rules and that's the most important thing. Read the rules, see what you're supposed to be doing. Make sure you're using a real good container, uh, no glass. Uh, don't be putting stuff in there that, you know, dangerous knives, fireworks, candy is a big thing. You don't be putting that in because that just draws ants and insects in it. But yeah, reading the rules and following the following the rules that way. With a lot of your caches being in rural areas, have you ever had issues with animals getting into them, mice or anything like that, and mucking about? <laughs> uh, I have haven't had any get into the cache itself. I have had them get into. I've got one ammo can hidden under a a piece of wood, and they'll burrow themselves underneath and into that. So they're sitting on top of the ammo can but nothing that has gotten into. Uh, there's been a few that are, I assume are squirrels chewing on different things and you can see where they've kind of chewed on corners trying to figure out what, trying to get into the cache themselves, I guess. But no, I haven't had any trouble with, with uh, animals other than humans, I guess. <laughs> it's, this has been real interesting. Is there anything else about your hide specifically that you'd like to share with us before we get into the cache highlight? Uh, no, not really. I mean, come on out, have fun. If uh, one gets broken, don't be afraid to let me know. It's they break once in a while, and you know, not everybody is is as e gentle and easy on them. And like I say, I, if they're broken, I want to know about it so I can get it fixed for the next person. It's uh, it's very disappointing when somebody shows up and says it was broken, or or the other thing is making sure you put it back the way it was when you found it. Make sure it's locked because a lot of times uh, people are disappointed when they get there and it's not locked. Uh, but no, that's like I said, come on out to Gilby and enjoy your tell. It's, it's people have a lot of fun. It sounds like a lot of fun. And I do hope I get up there to check out some of those caches because they look amazing. So for the cache highlight, you have one for us called Raven's Labyrinth. And the GC code is GC35. B-K-D. So tell me what this geocache is all about. Yeah, that cache is in Prescott, Arizona. Uh, I've been watching it for a long time. I actually had uh, was in communication with the cache owner for a little while and talking a little bit. He made so he he's got a lot of neat caches. Just, he uh, he isn't caching anymore. He adopted all his caches out to Gene and Joe. But the Raven has some amazing caches in the Prescott area. Uh, but the Raven's Labyrinth, he actually worked with the city, which is amazing the amount of work that they, they did with them. But they actually made a shelter with the roof and, and uh, electricity out to it. And it's a, you know, there's a big map box and you open one side and it's just it has the trail maps for the the trail system there and then you go around the other side and there's a padlock and you open that and that's a big big maze big labyrinth and there's computer voices lights and it's just it's over the top amazing it's just so much fun to play with it and there's different stages so if you get to stage one it'll open up the so you can log it and then if you get to stage two it'll do another thing and, and i think 
it might be three stage and if you get all the way through you'll get your name on a an engraved plaque on there your name will be on the web page i think they buy you dinner uh, it's just just amazing yeah it's one of the best caches i've seen okay so let me get this straight so there's three three parts you only have to complete the first part to qualify for the find log Yep. But the next two parts get so difficult that if you make it through the third and final one, you you get your name engraved on a plaque. Yeah, <laughs> yep. basically what I remember in a way. Um, That's awesome. It, right now it's been yeah. Right now it's disabled. Uh, they're waiting on some parts for it, but uh, and I don't doubt they'll get it back out. Like I say, it, it is such a neat neat cache. As far as favorite points i i want to say it's still running at 100 percent favorite points everybody that finds it favorites and that's impressive how did you find out about this were you just down the area and looking on the app or whatever and said oh this one has a lot of favorite points let's go there or how did you find out about it i i think i seen it in the forum somewhere and I looked it up and, and seen how many favorites it had and how the percentage wise, how they were high favorited. And so then I looked at the cash owner and I seen he had, all his caches had lots of favorites. So, so uh, we uh, had made a plan to go up to Arizona, do some caching, a friend of mine from Winnipeg and I, and then a week later, then my wife joined joined me and he went back home. So then my wife and I zipped up to Prescott. And, and then of course we had to go up to Grand Canyon and, and a few other places, Soto and M. But uh, the caches in Prescott are pretty amazing. All the ones that we did of his. That's cool. You said there was a padlock. Does it say on the cache description how to open the padlock or how do you get past that? Yeah, yeah, that first padlock was on the on the cash description page and and you just open that and then the whole top flips up and it like I say it's 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 also funny because so you're working this maze this steel ball around and it'll there's holes and obstacles you have to avoid and it'll drop through the hole and then uh, the computer will say something, come on, you got to do better than that and things like that. It's just, it's just, I had so much fun working with it. And I, I think it took me 16 times before I finally got into the first, first, uh, to get the door open. Oh, just for the it's first one? Just the first door. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So Did you I get really past the first door? <laughs> Yeah, we did. We got we got the first door open, so we got past that, and then it's straight away you're you're off. off the ball falls down the hole or oh. something. <laughs> it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I would have liked to stay there and done, worked on it longer, but it was starting to get cold and dark and rainy, so he said, "Oh, we better go." So did did you get a chance to complete the second phase, or did you have to stop at phase one? Yeah, we got to phase one and then we figured out, we bet, like I say, it was starting to get late and we had to get on the move. But I was hoping to go get it again this year, bring a couple of friends up there. But like I say, it was disabled when we were down there this year. So. Well, hopefully they'll get it back active soon because it sounds absolutely amazing. And it sounds like one that you need to plan most of your day to just get that one <laughs> cash. 
Um, maybe people are more coordinated, <laughs> coordinated than I am too. It, it, it's a it's a fun cash. It's just it's just fun. It sounds yep. like it. Oh, that sounds really interesting. Well, Chad, thank you so much for joining me today and and talking about hiding caches and about your caches and this cache highlight. That sounds really. That's another one I'm going to have to add to my geocaching bucket list because it just sounds absolutely amazing. <laughs> yeah, it, it really is. There are lots of lots of unique caches out there and, and hiders. Uh, it's fun to visit with different hiders when I go to events and they tell me what they've made. And you know, so we're, we're getting to, there's a little community of hiders that communicate over Facebook or Messenger. Uh -huh. So it's it's a lot of fun. It definitely sounds like it. Thank you so much, really. And and thank you for making these creative geocaches and hiding them. And I hope that it inspires some other people to have some creative or gadget caches placed by them. Yeah, I'm happy to help if somebody's got questions, you know, if I can help them out. I'm really excited to get people out there and hiding more fun, interesting type caches. Thank you for listening to Geocache Adventures. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Have you heard of FTF Magazine? It's the magazine for geocachers, filled with articles and snippets sent in by geocachers just like you. I'm a subscriber myself, and I love it. Check them out today at ftfgeo.com and tell them Shadow Dragon 1 sent you. Would you like to be a guest on a show or have a topic you'd like to hear covered? reach out and let me know. Just go to the geocacheadventures.org website and click on the contact page to reach out.